The night air chilled Ben's back as it spilled over his spine. He had not anticipated the weather being so chilly, and cursed himself for leaving his jacket at home. As he grumpily walked down the incline ramp of the Magic Kingdom monorail station, he began to fantasize of a cup of warm hot chocolate, courtesy of the Main Street USA Bakery. Ben routinely attended the Disney parks, either for simple fun or as a mean to escape his problems. This particular trip was due to the latter. As of late, his life had taken a depressing and stressful turn. He was stuck in a dead-end job, and on top of that, his fiancée had decided to walk out on him. Knowing he was nearing a mental breakdown, Ben decided to escape from his problems, if only for a few hours, into the world of Disney. Ben stepped through the turnstiles of the park, and the depressing frown that had adorned his face for the past week began to melt away. The sights, smells, and sounds of Main Street USA began to infect his soul, causing happiness to flood over his body. Carrying a newfound smile with him, Ben continued to walk down the street, making his way towards the nearby bakery. As he walked, he thought to himself how beautiful the park looked, the addition of the Christmas decorations. When he finally reached the bakery, he was excited to see that the line, for once, was short. So, with an exchange of currency and a short wait later, Ben re-emerged from the shop with his piping hot beverage. With a cautious sip, the warm liquid spilled from its container into Bill's belly, warming his body from the biting cold. Ben decided that he would begin his evening in the futuristic space-themed section of the park, Tomorrowland. Crossing the bridge into the land, he noticed that the holiday crowds were a bit bigger than he had anticipated. After a quick lap around the area, he was saddened to see all of the attraction queues nearly full except for one, the Carousel of Progress. Excitement leapt within Bill as he approached, seeing not a soul in line. He had always enjoyed the Carousel of Progress and knew this would be the perfect beginning to his evening. Ben quickly finished up his hot chocolate as he climbed the small ramp to the attraction. As he pushed through the turnstile at the top of the ramp, he tossed away his now empty hot chocolate. When his gaze lifted from the silver trash can, he was taken aback by the beauty of the woman operating the control panel just before him. She had long silvery blonde hair that spilled over her thin frame, striking green eyes that invaded Ben's soul, and a tiny cute smile garnished with ruby red lipstick. As Ben stared, she unexpectedly looked up from her work, causing Ben to turn away quickly with embarrassment. At that moment, though, he did not realize how close he was to a nearby handrail and plunged himself into its stomach first. He bent over, clutching his stomach as pain shot through his body, and air cleared from his lungs. When he was finally able to clear his breath, he stood and noticed that the beautiful woman had vanished. Ben thought this was strange, but his concerns faded when he saw that the theater doors had opened. Still softly clutching his stomach in pain, he approached the doors, but stopped just short as a cold breeze suddenly licked down his spine, causing him to shiver. He nonchalantly brushed it off and continued inside, not knowing of the nightmares that lie within. 
After a quick visual sweep of the theater seats, Ben decided to sit two rounds up from the front, in the middle. He quickly settled into his seat and pulled out his phone to set it on airplane mode. Ben was always afraid his phone would be the one going off during a performance, and even though the actors in this show were audio animatronics, it was something he did out of habit. Just before he selected the tiny airplane button, a notification appeared on the screen. A message from his now ex-fiancé. It simply read, I miss you. Seeing the message brought back a flurry of emotions, and caused a tear to slowly roll down his face. He knew in his heart he couldn't take her back, after all that she had done, but he desperately wanted to. Just as he was about to respond, though, his attention was pulled from his phone as the woman from before had appeared and was giving the attractions safety spiel. He quickly set the phone to airplane mode and pocketed it, giving her his full attention. As she spoke, her emerald green eyes stared deeply into Ben's, while her voice and body motions conveyed a seductive message, as if she were imitating Jessica Rabbit. Ben could not believe what he was seeing, and had this been a cartoon, his eyes probably would have been bulging out of their sockets as his tongue hung limp. When she finished, she gave Ben one last coy look and sauntered out of the theater, bouncing her hips from side to side. A little flustered and confused by what had just occurred, Ben sat back as multiple thoughts began to race through his head. Before he could think for long, the curtain on the stage began to rise and the ride began. The first scene of the show consisted of a voiceover narrator delivering a detailed but brief history of the carousel progress. Ben always enjoyed this portion of the ride due to his love of history and listened intently as the narrator spoke. He always thought how fascinating it was that the ride's roots traced all the way back to the New York World's Fair. The opening scene concluded with the playing of the ride's signature song, A Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, during which the audience section of the theater lurched sideways and began to rotate in a counterclockwise direction. As the music played and the theater turned, Ben began to hear a silent but noticeable, audible squeaking noise. He could not determine what the source of this mild irritant was, and simply assumed it was probably just an old pair of gears grinding against one another. With that thought, his mind was put to an ease, and he turned his attention to the stage of the ride's second scene. Ben could see the host of the ride, an audio-animatronic named John, sitting on a stage hinted with aspects of spring and Valentine's Day. John was smoking his usual pipe while gliding back and forth in an ornate wooden rocking chair. John's likeness was that of a middle-aged man with soft brown hair, sharp blue eyes, and a neatly trimmed painter mustache. For this scene of the ride, he was dressed in period clothing, sporting a pea-green jacket complemented by a yellow vest with a bright red tie. Once the theater came to a rest, John began to speak, explaining to his audience all the modern conveniences himself and his family were currently enjoying. His monologue was quickly interrupted as other members of the family began to appear one by one from behind curtains located on the sides of the stage. When they appeared, the family would showcase some form of technology 
before retreating behind their respective curtain. Ben always enjoyed these little side scenes, but was a bit confused when the mother's scene began. As the light illuminated, he observed that the younger daughter, who normally accompanied her, to be missing. Ben chuckled at the sight, because the washing machine the daughter normally was operating rocked back and forth on its own. Ben simply assumed that she must have been out for the day, getting a repair. Suddenly, Ben's attention was stolen from the stage by his phone softly vibrating in his jean pocket. He looked down to see his mom calling and sent her to voicemail with a swipe. When his eyes returned to the stage, though, he was shocked to see that the previously missing younger daughter had unexplainably appeared. This puzzled Ben, so he sat further up in his seat to get a better look. When he did, a feeling of dread wrapped around him and a sick feeling was born in his stomach. The daughter's eyes had turned solid black as tears of blood flowed from them. As she cranked the washing machine, blood spurted from it, staining her white dress a crimson red. Feeling sick by what he was witnessing, Ben leaned forward between his legs, trying to hold back vomit. When he finally felt he had his body under control, Ben sat back up. By the time he did, the mother's scene had concluded. Ben could not be certain if what he had seen was real or not. He began to question himself, thinking maybe the stress had finally gotten to him, causing vivid and horrifying hallucinations. However, before he could dive too deep into his own possible madness, the theater once again began to rotate, and the squeaking sound now louder, mixed with the ride's theme song filled Ben's ears. Ben began to feel worried about the squeaking noise and wondered if the ride could potentially break down. After what he had witnessed in the previous scene, the idea of an early exit was welcoming. But much to his dismay, the ride continued its rotation, soon stopping before the third scene of the ride, set in the 1920s on the 4th of July. John was now seated in a backwards-facing wooden chair now wearing clothing, reflecting his current era. He began once again to deliver his monologue, highlighting his technological advances. A sense of worry sprang up within Ben, because he knew how John's monologue ended. Due to an overuse of his modern appliances, John would accidentally blow a fuse, plunging the theater into utter pitch-black darkness. Normally this was always met with laughter, but after what Ben had witnessed in the previous scene, he was terrified at what could happen. Before Ben could prepare himself, the electronics on stage sprang to life, and soon after the fuse was blown, darkness quickly enveloped the theater, and silence filled the air, disturbing Ben deeply, due to the fact that normally, both John and his son Jimmy should have been speaking about restoring the power. Ben began to breathe heavily, while fear-fueled sweat ran down his cheeks. Suddenly, an ear-piercing shriek filled the darkness, causing Ben's blood to run cold. Afraid to move, he began to breathe even harder, nearly causing himself to hyperventilate. He tried all he could to rationalize the scream and slow his breathing, but all his rationale was thrown out the window when the lights returned. On stage, a massacre laid before Ben. John had slit his throat with gallons of blood pouring from the wound. 
The mother, who had appeared from her curtain on the right side of the stage, was hung by her entrails on the porch she normally sat on. The son, Jimmy, could be seen on the opposite side of the stage, his head being crushed in the antique record player by his sinister, grinning grandfather. The sight caused Ben to finally vomit on the floor space before him. He closed his eyes to rid his vision of the horrors present. He repeated to himself over and over again that what he was seeing was simply not real. When he finally gained the courage to reopen his eyes, the stage was back to normal. John was wrapping up the scene and abruptly broke into the riot's theme song again. When the theater began to rotate, the squealing sound returned so loud that Ben immediately covered his ears in pain. The pain was so intense, Ben tried to run for the exit, but slipped on his own vomit falling on the theater floor. He laid there for what felt like an eternity, writhing in pain from the noise, when suddenly the theater stopped and the noise faded. For a few moments, Ben remained on the floor trying to regain his composure. When he was finally able to stand, he reached for the back of the seat in front of him and pulled himself up into his seat. For a moment, he stared down into his lap, only refusing to look at the stage. When he did finally muster up the courage to look up, a laugh almost escaped his mouth. For what he saw on stage could only be the delusions of someone who was truly insane. John sat in his normal spot, behind a circular table on a cushy circular booth. His head, though, had been swapped with the jack-o'-lantern that usually sat on the table. The mother now, on the left side of the stage, lay on the ground of the family's rumpus room. She stared into Ben's soul as her son viciously ripped the flesh from her back with his teeth. On the opposite side of the stage, the older daughter was being violently sawed in half by the belt-based exercise machine she was attached to. Ben tried to close his eyes again to rid himself of the visions, but when he reopened them, all the grotesque horrors on stage remained. Realizing this was all real, Ben bolted up from his seat, dodged his pile of throw-up, and ran to the theater doors. He pounded and pounded on the doors, and did not stop until from behind him, he could hear a macabre and sinister version of the ride song begin to play. The theater began to once again rotate, bringing with it the squeal, now louder. The sound painfully infected Ben's ears, causing him to fall to the floor, grasping the sides of his head, hoping to shield himself from the noise. He rolled on the ground in absolute agony for what felt like ages as blood began to ooze from his ears. Just before he thought his head might burst from the pain, the sound ceased and the theater stopped. Ben laid on the ground and stared up at the ceiling, terrified at what might await him on stage. With the last remaining courage he possessed, Ben decided he needed to face his nightmare. He rose slowly from the ground, facing towards the theater doors initially. He gradually turned his body to face the stage, and as he did, he was relieved. On the stage, Ben could see the normal setting depicting the family at Christmas time. Ben was overjoyed to see them all present and running through their usual cues. His hopes, though, were quickly dashed when the audio began to fade out 
in a slow and gargled fashion. When the sound faded completely, the heads of the family members began to turn toward Ben, staring at him with blackened eyes. He was frozen in fear, but when the father took a step towards Ben, adrenaline-fueled fear surged through his body, causing him to flee again to the theater doors. Ben began to pound and even scratch on the theater doors. His fists and fingernails became quickly raw, and soon he felt a soft hand grip onto his shoulder. When he turned ready to fight off his attacker, he was met with the green eyes of the Disney employee. She had a concerned look on her face as she asked Ben if he was okay. Ben, thankful to see a normal face, grabbed onto her, embracing her in a deep hug, crying tears of joy through closed eyes. When he did reopen his eyes, fear once again jolted through his body. Before him stood the entire family, and all were directly staring at him through their black eyes. He quickly pulled away from the girl, and he could see that she now possessed the same black eyes. An evil grin spread across her face, and before Ben could move, blackness filled his vision as he fell to the floor unconscious. Ben was awoken several hours later, when a bright light blasted his eyes. At first, he was able to shield the light with his right arm, but as he did, some unseen force jerked his arm violently back down towards his side, striking something hard along the way. A sharp pain jumped up Ben's arm, causing him to whimper softly. As the light softened on his eyes, he was able to survey his surroundings and became rapidly aware that he was now lying in a large white porcelain bathtub. Ben tried to cover his bare body with his hands, but found he no longer had control over them. Since he was unable to move, he used his head to scan the rest of the room. His heart sank, though, as he soon realized he was in one of the rides, side of the stage scenes. In a flash, his mind became a flurry of thoughts. How was this possible? Did the green-eyed girl do this? After a few minutes of thought, all he was able to discern was that somehow, by some means, he had ended up in the 4th of July scene in the bathtub that was usually occupied by old Uncle Orville. He continued to think how this was all possible, and even tried to desperately rationalize his situation. His mind began to quiet though, when his scene began to rotate and more light filled the area. This caused a glint of hope to appear for Ben. He knew that if the show was operating, there would be an audience. And maybe, if he screamed loud enough, help would come. When the audience came into view, Ben attempted to muster up the loudest blood-curdling scream he had, but to his dismay, nothing came out. Whatever force had taken over his body now controls his vocal cords as well. From that point on, Ben acted out Uncle Orville's scene like a puppet on invisible strings, screaming in terror internally through it all. When the scene ended, Ben could feel control being regained of himself and he lay back in the tub, mortified and violated. 
However, the real terror struck just as the audience faded from view. Because at that moment, Ben saw himself sitting alone, two rows back from the front, smiling ear to ear. The doppelganger made quick eye contact with Ben, giving a wink and a wave. Before Ben could react, he was plunged into darkness once again, as madness swallowed him whole.